Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash back with you and another author, debut author once again, Holly Ransom, who's got a new book and I just looking at it before, The Leading Edge, Dream Big, Spark Change and Become the Leader the World Needs You to Be. Welcome to the show, Holly. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Debut author, I've got to ask the question, what would your English teachers be saying now? Do they say, of course, Holly, of course, she was always going to write a book. Or are they going, you wrote a book? Do you know, it's so funny because one of the, the first people I've been thinking about making sure I try and find a way to get a copy to is my year 10 English teacher, uh, who I, I think was um, probably one of the biggest encouragers of me in terms of both the spoken word and the written word. Uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised. I think they certainly had challenges keeping me quiet in class, so they wouldn't be surprised that I had a lot to say. Whether they would have thought I'd put it into a book would be another matter, but uh, I hope I hope they'll enjoy it. We'll see how we go. They, they get a few mentions, my teachers, too, so they might enjoy that part of it. Mm, terrific. Congrats. I mean, you're, you're obviously, um, I was reading some of the, the description of your book, and you've, I'll dive straight into it because you've interviewed some incredible people. Um, Susan Cain, Condoleezza Rice, Barack Obama, Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, had that, doesn't get um, higher up the echelons than, than those thinkers. So how did you get to meet them and what was the premise of you getting some time with them? How, how did that all come about? Yeah, so I mean, I've been so fortunate with the work that I've done. Um, I find myself as a professional MC and moderator and keynote speaker and work with clients all around the world, curating content and sort of running forums of all sorts of different um, nature. And I've had the opportunity through that uh, both to design and help create and actually tee up conversations with some of these leaders and also just to be invited to have the opportunity as part of a program to interview some of those people. So it's been a variety of different circumstances. My grandma's always described me as forensically curious. So I think I followed my forensic curiosity into a vocation and absolutely love it. Um, being in uh, on a stage or virtually as the instances are now with some of these great minds that have just spent so much time deeply thinking about the world and our place within it and how we can do better or how we can more accurately understand an idea um, is just phenomenal. And, and even those people that you mentioned, they're all such different personalities. They've all got a very different energy. They've all got a very different intellect. All of them are very bright, but they've all got their own interest in the way that that comes across. So, you know, I was very fortunate. I mean, um, Barack Obama was uh, one of the most extraordinary moments of my life without question. Malcolm Gladwell was probably one of the most intellectually challenging interviews I've ever done in terms of the back and forth that happened on stage. Um, Susan Cain's energy and just the honesty of what she writes about in Quiet, you know, when you see this person who is a global phenomenon now off the back of that book and with her TED Talk, quite genuinely, you know, behind stage, really nervous about taking the stage and sharing. I think we had 2,000 people in the audience that day. Uh, you you realise, you know, that what she was talking about was a message of so much importance because she's still standing there going, just because I know how to exist in an extroverted world doesn't mean I enjoy it. And, and talking through those strategies and writing that book was almost a way of her working through some of um, exactly what she does for a living now too. So it's been really fascinating. Uh, I love it. Um, I feel very grateful for the opportunity to ask questions. And I'm a big believer that it, until we can ask better questions, different questions, and we can have different people asking the questions, we're never going to arrive at better answers. So that that's a real passion for me in terms of 
be teeing up conversations um, and also just the way that I try and show up when I'm given the opportunity to do so. Mm. That's uh, for those that have heard my keynotes, that's my opening slide in terms of the nuggets that I share with people is the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. And Booktopia is what it is today because of that curiosity as well to be able to dive into the into um, the industry where I had no experience to explore and try and understand things and see things differently. I am, I am curious because you've met so many um, people that I'm sure most of us that are listening uh, to this want to know. Um, tang- you know. If you could think about the tangible aspects of those, the people, and perhaps you've even written about it in your book in terms of leadership. Is there, are, are there common themes that all of us can aspire to if we think about some of the teachers that we've had in school or people that we've met and that you hang around with or people that you may work with when you meet these people is there something there that that, that there's a transition um, to to learn something from them and go even for yourself now you go i like what they did there or i like the way that they set themselves talk think um that you could, that you we can actually educate ourselves and go. I can have a bit more of that. It's not. It's not. Mm. Um, it's not theirs to own and theirs to only have. Can can you take a little piece of that and and make it your own? Yeah, I, I love the premise of your question, and it's actually been one of the through lines of the, of the book. Was this whole notion of leadership is completely accessible if we are prepared to take on you know and and adopt these strategies around mindset and the method with which we go about our lives we're completely capable of being the leader that we want to be that the world needs us to be um, whatever way you want to kind of resonate with and one of the things that I'm excited about with the book is to your point there's a lot of people featured in it that everyone will know but there's also a lot of people that I don't think people will know yet that I'm so excited to introduce them to that I I think will be so memorable Uh, just these unbelievably humble trailblazers that are off being the change that they want to see in the world and are leaving this trail of breadcrumbs behind for us to follow to your point and go wow if, if that's how they've done it if they've managed to do this geez maybe I could have a go maybe there's something I could see in that and I think that's right you know your your point around you know your life's as good as the quality of the questions that you're asking I think we have the opportunity to be curious in every interaction we find ourselves in Certainly when you meet these people, you are naturally called to be curious by virtue of the stature that they come with and the accomplishments that come with them too. You know, there's the ability to step back and go, wow, what has allowed this person to be so successful? Um, And there are common themes. I think certainly there's a really clear sense of purpose amongst all of them. They all, all very different, but each of them is very clear on what they're trying to do or who they're trying to be in the world with regards to what the impact or the legacy they want to leave might be. So I think that clarity of purpose or the contribution they want to make is really clear. I think with the ones I've been really impressed by, certainly there's a real clarity of values too. Um, there's a, an openness, a trust, an integrity that's very apparent in your interaction with them both on and off stage. And so I think that piece around not just talking about values, but really living them and trying to be true to that in every interaction is very clear. And I think probably the third thing would be, I think they're all really courageous. And I think in some instances, they challenge us on what courage looks like, because it's not these single ditch efforts necessarily, but it's when you're asked 
the tough question, that preparedness to be vulnerable and candid in the conversation and answer honestly, or it's the preparedness, you know, as they might reflect on in a conversation with me to have made that really tough call in that moment when they weren't sure whether it would work or not. And so I think there's definitely a through line of courage, whether that's owning their truth, whether that's the preparedness to make tough calls, whether it's being bold and visionary and innovative and a little bit out of the box for people in the way that we might be used to conventionally. I think they're probably the three common themes that I've gleaned. And, and I talk a lot more about other lessons and nuggets that these people can teach us in the book. But if I was drawing some common themes, that'd be them. Mm. I don't have a copy of the book, unfortunately. It's not yet published. Um, for those that are listening, 20th of July is the published date. And I did look online to see if there was like a an e-version. There's nothing loaded up that I can look at as yet. So it's all a mystery. We're all waiting for, you know, like a new JK Rowling. Everyone's lined up at the <laughs> shop to get <laughs> Holly's book. Um, and and so it's it's exciting these these days before a book gets published. Um, what, well, you'd guess, be very familiar with it. Well, yes, of course. And I think that's actually one of the interesting things because in my role here at Booktopia, I get to meet all of the authors and uh, most of them um, um, who come through probably or that I get to meet them more um, they're writing a book because of who they are not because they're a fiction writer or a children's writer so um, the books team normally gets to to meet those but um, celebrities and and pa- parliamentarians and and famous uh, inventors and so forth whoever's got a book out so I get to meet all those people when when you meet them, how like they've obviously accomplished a lot you wouldn't get to meet them if they hadn't um how how real how down to earth how how um this how do some of them come with airs and graces and and you need to treat me with all of this respect and others go no 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 i'm just i'm just the, the same as you we're both human beings um and just because I've accomplished a whole heap of things is irrelevant to us having this moment together where we talk. Because I, I do feel uh, when I meet everyone is that the more that you just treat them like um, a friend and or normal as if you were bumping into them in the supermarket and just let, uh, allowing them to be their normal self versus, oh my God, oh my God, is that, you know, it's Malcolm Gladwell, it's Brene Brown or it's Barack Obama or it's someone who's who's globally well known in their field of expertise. How how there must be quite a range and you've got to have your you've got to have your your radar up right from the beginning um, to know how you're going to have to treat them and res- give them they de- they demand respect or they don't no, don't give me any respect. Let's just get into it and be real. It's so interesting, and I imagine you've had a, a full spectrum over the years that you've been been doing these conversations too, Tony. But one of the things that I, I sort of got a little bit of a preview into this world when I was a teenager, I worked in events management back in Perth where I grew up and was sort of responsible a lot of the time for looking after the touring artists and, you know, making sure their green room was looked after or, you know, it just all the kind of run-of-the-mill jobs, but it had that glamorous element of you did get lucky enough to meet at least a number of the artists and certainly a lot of their crew. And it was so interesting to me, the spectrum that existed then. You know, there were some that were, the, the stories you hear about written in the papers, I only want the blue M&Ms, none of the rest of them. I only want this type of water. Or my, you know, my room needs to be exactly this number of degrees. And then there were others who were just 
delightful and hospitable and, you know, so up for talking to everyone and making time for everyone and very generous. Uh, and, and I think that that gave you a very early snapshot into what it can look like, certainly when you get to that level of things. And I think that that definitely exists. Um, the one thing I feel like on the whole is that the people that certainly are featured in this book um, and no surprises are the ones that kind of live the values that they preach. And so they are people that are really consistent. They're down to earth. They're humble. They care. They're empathetic. Um, they, they do the work. You know, they're not farming it out to someone else. Um, but without question, you, you've got those, those people out there. They're just not the people that I've chosen to, to focus on and admire uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I remember quite vividly, there was a moment I was lucky enough to meet Barack Obama when I was chairing the G20 Youth Summit. The Prime Minister gave me that responsibility in 2014. And I met um, President Obama when he came to the Leaders Summit in Brisbane. It was a very funny moment because to your point around kind of the, the aura, and he does have an aura, uh, there's an energy that comes with him. And it was quite amusing to me because we were sort of, uh, I think two of us from the Youth Summit were the only people uh, there that weren't, you know, the leader of a major company or the leader of a country. So we're very out of place in this particular environment. But I remember watching all these CEOs of companies that, you know, were household names. They were, they were names I deeply admired, just completely stumble over their sentences and not being able to put two words together because they could not believe they were speaking to Barack Obama. And, and I'm just thinking, are you kidding? You've got one of the most um, amazing leaders of this generation here. Why would you not have a conversation with him? So we ended up getting into a dialogue around women's empowerment and our youth unemployment agenda. Um, but it made me realise that too often people are almost stuck for words and all they want is people that can converse naturally with them and treat them like they're a normal human being because they kind of get enough of that treatment the rest of the time. So I agree with you. There's something to be said on uh, not not treating anyone, or I guess that whole premise of treat others, you know, how you would like to be treated and how they would like to be treated, it's a bit of both, um, and just being being real and honest and, and genuine in that interaction. Mm. So I'm interviewing Holly Ransom, the leading edge. Dream big, spark change, and become the leader the world needs you to be. The world, the world, Holly. Um, you've got a big stage there. Just so, um <laughs> The book's coming out, as I said, on the 20th of July. And of course, you can buy it online at Booktopia. But uh, I can only imagine uh, there's going to be a great appetite across the country. So I'm sure it's going to be in all all bookshops around around, uh, around Australia, hopefully eventually around the world. Um, when you think about the world then and why why um, why confront people in, in terms of like, will that, is that going to daunt them? Um, is there anything about the way that you think about um, the world's your stage um, and and that dreaming big? Um, you know, who, I guess who's your audience here? Who who do you feel like you've written this for? When you're sitting there at the keyboard and and is this for the millennial group? Is it for anyone of all ages? Is it is yeah. it for kids in school who are thinking about what they're going to do next? Just talk about you know, who, who this is going to really resonate with. Yeah, definitely. So for me, this is about people, this is about a, an emerging set of leaders. And I don't mean that actually in terms of age. I mean that in terms of people who are looking at the world around them. And I really love that you've picked up on the word, the word world, because I think it's really important to give that some context. 
When I say world, that can be your household, that can be your company, that can be your community. I think the the leader the world needs you to be is the best one you can be for the people that you want to serve and the purpose that lights you up. And everyone's got a completely different heartbeat in that regard. There are some people that are passionate about leading countries and communities. There are others that are just like, you know what, I just want to do me to the best of my ability. And the power that they have in their day-to-day interactions is them being the change that they are called to be in the world. There are some people that are passionate about causes that they're, you know, absolutely all in with. Um, There are teachers that are in front of kids every day that are inspiring and leading the next generation. There are frontline healthcare workers who are leading by example, particularly over the last 18 months, putting themselves in the front line uh, of what the world has needed more than anything, which is to find a way to arrest this pandemic and help people while we're through it. So for me, when I'm talking, I'm writing to this group of people who are looking around the, at the state of play right now and are going, there has to be a better way and I want to be a part of the better way. Because I think for me, this was written with the view that the leadership that we have been talking about teaching, um, for those that have been taught it for that matter too, it's not something that necessarily everyone's had the opportunity to, to be in any kind of formal classroom around or some type of formal training. But it's, it's not match fit for 2021. The world that we find ourselves in now, that the pace of change, the collaborative, but also incredibly diverse way in which we've got to work and the people we've got to connect with to do so meaningfully. So for me, it was a want to serve as both almost a rallying cry, but also a toolkit for that group of people who are going, there has to be a better way. And I want to be a part of the better way. I want to be the change I want to see in my world and in our world, however they choose to define that. And I'm really conscious where we're existing in a point in time where people can easily go, oh, if it's not, I think one of the reasons people don't start to kind of one of the premises that sat beneath that question is it's too big. Like, how do you start on climate change? It's overwhelmingly large. Or how do you start raising money for a cause? Because if you can't make a million dollars, is it worth doing? And I think we really need to reground ourselves and with that idea of start from where you are with what you have and start now. And that every step, every contribution, every question asked is a step forward if it's heading in a purposeful, impactful direction. And and that's the group that I'm talking to and I'm hoping to give ideas, inspiration and tools to to really help empower them in, in their in their respective journeys because I think everyone is absolutely marching the beat of their own drum and and that's a great thing I just want to make sure that that can help them go faster deeper more successfully and maybe avoid fewer some of the missteps through sharing the lessons of so many people who've walked these paths in different ways before Mm. I mean booktopia for myself the way that I have operated from the very beginning is very horizon point driven so I I'm not thinking about uh, building a billion dollar company well i am these days actually um to go from- which is quite incredible i love you how you can just say that that's remarkable it's such a credit to you yeah thanks uh 200 million you know, plus revenue billion it it does feel like half a billion and then beyond that a billion um is uh some of the horizon points that um the the business and and that i can see but in the beginning it was like to get from a million to two million and then 2 million to 5 million and 5 million to 10 million and so forth. So um, it's having that, having chunking it down, I think, and having those, those horizon points that uh, when you, when you do an integrity check within yourself and you go, yeah, that, uh, that feels like I could do it. If you said, uh, all right, I need you to get to 10 billion. There's a part of me going, yeah, well, I don't even know how that's going to look. 
So, um, and, and therefore I let that go first so I can focus on something that I feel I can, I can visualize and tangibly touch and walk around three dimensionally and see, yeah, that's how that bit part of the business is working and so forth. So, so and I love that story you were telling me before we got started too, about how it sort of organically began and, you know, it was sort of took you how long did you say to sell one book and then it was you know you were focused on one month and then it was one year and it was this let's start let's see how it goes the more mental barriers we put up to starting the more likely we are to never get out of the starting blocks and I thought what you shared in terms of the story of how Booktopia began and the momentum you build and how you harness that momentum to keep moving forward I mean that's an incredible story of doing exactly what we're talking about, you know, being able to start where you are and then scale to whatever height and direction you choose to. And obviously you've got your site set on a billion dollar company right now. You're going to be a unicorn. Yeah. Well, um, um, I guess, um, but um, I don't, yeah, I don't really think unicorns, aren't you supposed to do it like in a short amount of time or something? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, think I think you can still call yourself a unicorn though. Why not? Yeah. 17 years is, uh, you know, they say we're an overnight success. Um, so, <laughs> I do like that line, yeah. 10 years to be an overnight success or something, doesn't it? Doesn't the right. adage go? Yeah. So so getting back to the book then in terms of the, because I haven't got to see the chapters, sometimes I like to use chapters. Are there, is there anything um, we can share with the listeners in terms of what they're going to, um, what they're going to get? Is it one of those books where you really mm-hmm. do need to start at the beginning and make your way to the last page or can you, kind of just you know shut your eyes and open up on the page and that's going to be relevant for you to, on that day because there's yep. how does that how's it going to, how's it taken shape yeah great question so a little bit of both I think you could you could definitely read it cover to cover um but one of the ways I've designed it is so you can definitely dip in and out according to what you need at any given moment so the book's broken in to two halves the first half is all about leading yourself because the premise is until you can lead yourself, you can't lead others. So really strategies for understanding self, thinking through how to put yourself in the best position to be able to be all that you can be. And then the second half of the book is all about leading others. So cultures, teams, organizations, movements, that that side of things. Um, And within that, there's kind of three sections that run across both. So there's mindset, method, and mastery. And so mindset is really about what are the what are the tactics and techniques we need to approach things with the right mindset, frame of mind. So everything from thinking through choices and risk to how it is we engage and motivate others and connect with purpose, things around EQ, et cetera. In method, we're really getting down to, you know, what are the building blocks of successful practice, whether that's individually or whether that's collectively. So we're looking at culture, we're looking at, um, you know, the power of habits and what we repeatedly do. Uh, and how we can tweak and improve them for better. And then in mastery, it's really around, I guess, strategies for self-sustaining and continuing to grow. That notion of almost continuous improvement is built into that chapter, that idea that, you know, these are the strategies or the ideas that can help you stretch, succeed, but continue to just keep going and pushing in, uh, um, the envelope. So I think in that way, every chapter is quite discreet. Every chapter opens with a quote that kind of sets the tone to that theme and closes with a, a question that I encourage leaders to ponder and think about. So kind of some of them are quite provocative. Some of the opening quotes are quite provocative too, to be honest. Um, but the idea is that it's very practical. Every chapter has, you know, strategies, ideas for, okay, if this resonates with you, this feels like something that's making you uncomfortable and you want to have a go with it because it's telling you something here's, you know, five ideas in this chapter, or here's a closing question, or here's an exercise you can go and do. So I'm a 
big believer in ideas are great, but unless you can make the rubber meet the road, then nothing's ever going to change. So this book is written with a very pragmatic heartbeat so that it can be as accessible and as actionable as possible for anyone who chooses to read it. Mm. How come, I mean, I, I interview and have interviewed people on leadership before and mm. given most people then you'd have to assume are followers. How come we write so many books about leadership and there's very few books about following and being a great follower or being great? Um, I love that you've asked that because it's literally a chapter in the book. It's all about followers and uh, the, the idea of being a follower and a leader and the importance of doing that simultaneously and also the importance of how we nurture followership. So I, I think that's a very perceptive question because you're right, we do talk a lot and we place a lot we lionise leadership and we lionise leadership in a way that I think we tell the story as though it's about these incredible lone wolves and to the point of something you raised earlier that are sort of almost born and gifted with these leadership characteristics and so who are we mere mortals to ever believe that we could lead and, and drive the change that these people have and I do not think that narrative is serving the world. I don't think it's serving us individually. And I certainly don't think it served leadership. And I think most of us could agree when we look around now and broadly reflect on the state of leadership, most of us are probably not giving it a passing grade in a lot of regards. There's absolutely points of light. And this book is a consolidation of some of those incredible points of light. But when you look at a lot of the state of the world, the challenges we're facing, these, you know, dismal trust levels, these the challenges we've been through, you know, have been magnified probably with the pandemic over the last 12, 18 months. Um, I completely agree with you. We, the kind of This is why I was motivated to write the book. I wanted us to have a completely different conversation about leadership uh, than what we've had historically. Mm. So you've, you've interviewed um, so many leaders and you've met so many leaders. What, what leadership... Just tell us a little bit about some of the projects and things you've been involved with where you've been able to apply your leadership um, because I know you've done, I was reading, you've done a lot of, um, it sounds like a lot of not-for-profit or, or mm. um, cultural or social change and things like that. Just share with yeah. us what you've done. Sure. So, I mean, a raft of, of sort of different projects. I've been lucky enough in my career to kind of work across the non-profit government sector and uh, in the corporate world. And probably, you know, when I think back on what I'm proudest of, it would probably be the work that we did uh, when Australia hosted the G20 in 2014. And I was lucky enough to be um, a, a allowed to chair that or appointed to chair that um, by the Prime Minister. And it was an interesting environment in, to take people back to 2014 for a moment. You know, youth unemployment across the world, when, when we sort of sat back with this opportunity, um, we realised there are about 1.4 billion young people across the G20. And just for benefit of people who maybe aren't that familiar with the G20, with it's the 20 most economically powerful nations. So about 75% of world trade and 80% of world GDP and this very significant group of countries, China, Russia, US, you know, et cetera. And, you know, we were looking at what's the unified agenda for young people and overwhelmingly at the time, and unfortunately, given where we are in the world right now, we're, we're sort of back there again and we haven't moved too much. It was youth unemployment because in every one of those 20 nations, there was sort of two to three times the, the um, mainstream unemployment rate was sort of the rate of youth unemployment. You know, that year, I think Spain hit 60, 64% youth unemployment. There were riots on the streets in London and in Paris, just this incredibly challenging time, sort of post the GFC with 
you know, transitioning economies and with young people falling all too often through the cracks, particularly with this skills mismatch between what they were getting educated and trained in and what the world was offering in terms of jobs. So for us, that was um, an opportunity to bring uh, a focus to that agenda. We'd never successfully previously before seen the Youth Summit influence the World Leaders Agenda. And so our aspiration was to be able to get a focus on youth unemployment in the World Leaders Declaration. And what was interesting about what they did in Australia that year for the first time was they actually created country growth plans and economic strategies alongside the declaration. And so the goal then became, how do you get youth unemployment measures entrenched in all of those 20 um, plans? And for us, it, I mean, we, we were successful in achieving that. Um, to say that sort of belies the, um, the effort and the uh, so many moments where it looked like we were going to have to wave a white flag in terms of the challenges we had, even getting taken seriously or getting an invitation to the table as the youth voice in the conversation, you know, despite mentioning there are 1.5 billion people that isn't an entry ticket into the game all too often in these conversations. And I think the incredible thing for me was just the passion, the focus, the dedication of all the young people that it, we're all entirely voluntary, working right across the world to engage and speak to young people in their communities and countries, to lobby their ministers, to put up plans for what a different strategy could look like, to go to meetings all over the world and hash it out with politicians and with policymakers. Um, and so to have gotten to that point, you know, for me was a really exciting demonstration of what we're capable of doing when we've got a really clear unifying purpose, um, when we've got the ability to bring different sectors together uh, in terms of, you know, we were very strongly supported by the business community and by civil society. And I think for me, um, that that was probably one of the times where I, I just felt most most passionate about the work that I was doing and what we were trying to achieve. And, and from, I guess, outside of the, uh, you know, you talk about kind of people that are in the inner sanctum, in the outer sanctum, we were definitely playing from the outer sanctum trying to find our way in. So for me, that was a great opportunity. Um, I've done a lot of work in corporate, in, in change management, a variety of different projects. I'm passionate about the leadership development space and how we lead organizations differently. And I've been very fortunate to work with, you know, everyone from Microsoft and Procter and & Gamble and Virgin, right the way through to companies all across Australia and government departments and local councils um, and schools, very passionate about this conversation in the context of our education system. And then one of the roles I'm in at the moment is um, I've just taken on my first chair role in the nonprofit landscape, leading an organization called Pride Cup. Um, which is a nonprofit dedicated to using sport as a vehicle for driving LGBTI inclusion across Australia. It's very interesting when you delve into sport in Australia, 75% um, of Australians have witnessed homophobia in sport uh, and 85% don't think it's safe for a gay spectator to attend sport in Australia. This is according to the Out in, Out in the Fields uh, survey, which is the last sort of snapshot of this in 2016. And, and so we know, I mean, I'm a huge believer. I've been a director of the mighty Port Adelaide Football Club for six years now. I'm a big believer that you move sport in this country, you move the nation. Um, and the power of sport, particularly when we think about it in a local community context of what it is that's happening on every street corner and in every oval, if we can make sure those are places of belonging and acceptance and inclusion, whoever you are, whoever you might love, whoever you might be, um, that I think we can just make enormous strides when it comes to the, the lived nature of inclusion in this country, but also just to mental health and well-being as well. 
Um, so that's a big piece of work that we're working on at the moment, not only scaling that across Australia, but preparing to take that right around the world. So impressive. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question on behalf of all parents. I mean, <laughs> Holly is um, is young, and and obviously the fire that's been burning within you and everything that you've accomplished has come and you've been doing it for some time since you were quite young as as a parent um, of teenagers who are in their room on tech um <laughs> not getting out there and and doing things um when you think about that that band of of emerging infants through to becoming teens and being teens and then and then becoming young adults and, and entering the workforce, going on to uni. What can we be doing more? I mean, your parents and your family and your friends must be very proud of what you've accomplished. And just hearing the way you talk and how you've applied yourself um, is everything that you said in the title and the and the subtitle of your book. But is it um, is it something that parents can ignite within the kids and think about how we can get them to live big and and be bold and courageous what, what are your thoughts around that that level because there is a lot of inactivity um, that we get to see and and uh, lament um, and get frustrated about so what are your thoughts well, I love that question to begin with. And I think for parents listening who are wondering about that, I there are so many ideas scattered in the book that I hope can help you think through different approaches and ideas. I, I know the full gamut of young people from ones that are out there passionately crusading or starting their own businesses through to ones who uh, are playing a lot more video games. Though so there's some interesting ideas about video games in the book. So hold out hope. That's a very interesting chapter for those who are watching their kids play them. But to your point, uh, I, I, I totally get you. And I think in the sense of wanting to see young people be fully alive and to be stepping out in the world in, in whatever that way that they want, one of the ideas I talk about in this book is this notion of um, being where the lightning strikes. So putting yourself where ideas happen, where you can be struck by inspiration. And I think one of the things that I have been very fortunate and a lot of the commonality amongst the leaders I've interviewed for this book and also just young people and people that I've interacted with who are out there in their own respective way doing what they love is they've been where the lightning has struck at some point. And so I think one of the things I would say to parents to begin with is how can you try and find ways of putting inspiration and different sorts of stimulus in front of your young people, um, whether it's taking them to engage with different causes, whether it's, you know, being really intentional about the experiences that you share as a family, um, the opportunity to go and volunteer together to just try and engage because there will be a moment where something lights them up um, or there may be moments where they've already been lit up and being curious and encouraging that flame that might be just you know a little flicker at the moment to to get a little bit more oxygen to be explored to be dabbled in is something that i think can be really powerful so thinking about what can you do that might take them outside of what they know and how can you be curious together? Like, how do you invite them to be a part of creating that with you and maybe go on that journey collectively? Because the young person doesn't want to feel like it's being imposed on them. Hey, let's go do this so I can hopefully get you fired up. You know, if it became something where it's more about there was this sense of shared learning and experience, it wouldn't it be great to go and 
understand that local issue together or volunteer here or how about we tried to start a business with $10, you know, what might happen? Um, you know, I think there's an opportunity in that. I think the second thing is sometimes acknowledging, and, and this is something I've thought about, and I think I talk about in the book in a different context, in a change management sense, and leaders who have led change projects will acknowledge this one, but sometimes you've got to just know that the fact that the idea is coming out of your mouth means it won't be heard. <laughs> and I've certainly experienced that in different change contexts and organisations, and I think sometimes that comes for parents as well. My partner and I don't have kids yet, but it's it's certainly something not too far away, and, and I can imagine that being uh, a part of the parenting journey. And so to that end, I think it's also really important who you're surrounding your children with or who you're encouraging them to seek the advice and input of. There's a big discussion around mentoring in the book. I think I reset some of the thinking around that in the way that we frame it up. But that notion of who can you be surrounding them with or who, who are they surrounded by in order that they might be asking those questions or being inspired or being curious, I think that that's a really powerful one. And I think the third thing is just encouraging them to ask questions and asking them questions, not just letting them get in the car uh, and, and sort of going, you know, how's your day? And that was it, you know, just uh, there's a great question in the book that, um, and I'll leave you to understand the backstory, but one of our uh, case studies is a brilliant anthropologist and leading company director now in Australia and technologist and futurist, she's remarkable. And the question her mother asked at the end of every day was, what surprised you today? And it was a different question to be asking. And she said, the reason that was a great question, and it's sort of, she's probably the most curious person I know. I found it really interesting that this was a habit that she built with her children every afternoon as they were growing up, was because when you're surprised by something, something hasn't matched a pattern. And there's something to be understood about why something didn't match a pattern. There's potentially opportunity in that. There's follow-up questions. There's the need to spend a little time thinking about why that didn't kind of happen the way that you thought it might. And so just thinking about how you can be prompting curiosity in your kids, and that might be through taking, uh, taking up the challenge of asking different questions yourself and then challenging more of that conversation. There's some of the things I would try. Uh, and I think what I hope is that this book can start a whole conversation around topics like this and many others. Uh, and you'll see it as like kind of a recipe book, a great recipe book where you, you kind of make the recipe and you go, cool, let's have a go. Oh, I'd add two tablespoons of honey in or I'd take out, you know, a tablespoon of flour there and add this in. I, I hope this can start a conversation because I think there will be so many ideas around this that um, other pa parents, other people have to share. So I welcome people to kind of engage and give me feedback on this and let's keep the conversation going on it because I think the notion of how we not just light up a younger generation, but light up a, a generation of people to be fulfilled. We know where mental health is in this country and globally. We know where um, on the whole, like the state of play with work is at the moment and engagement and disengagement. So we've got a collective job to do in terms of not just helping people get out of their rooms, but helping people spark that light in themselves. And that's something I'm really eager to engage with anyone who wants to have a conversation on. Mm. I'm talking with author Holly Ransom. Author, that's a new, you know, on your business card, you can just now. That, that. I haven't been prepared to put that on yet. That still feels premature. We've got a couple of weeks, but right. yeah, that's very uh, it, surreal. It's it's done. It's, the, it's baked. It's done. That's true. It's baked. Um, it's just getting prepared for 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 retail sales. Uh, the leading edge, dream big, spark change, and become the leader the world needs you to be. The world needs you to be. 
So it's not like coming from within. It's the world yearning and and requiring you. You must step up. You must be this person. When you think about um, all the people that you meet, is there any kind of like just anecdotal like stories from that? And you've met so many people, but is there anything there that you you want to share with us that you go, oh, that's a classic, that one? In terms of encounters with different leaders? Yeah, and just, you know, what surprised you, as you said before? What, like, what was something that um, you go, oh, that, that's a real, that's, that's one to, to cherish for, you know, for many years per, personally for you? Oh, gosh, there's a few. Um, I mean, one of the ones that sticks with me is just being quite a, an interesting conversation. Uh, and he's always such a joy to talk with. And I've been very fortunate to work with him a lot over the years, but Sir Richard Branson is an, an utter delight. He is a incredible human. It would surprise a lot of people to know he's very introverted, despite the fact he's probably behind one of the most extroverted brands in the world in terms of the, uh, the virgin set of companies. And I remember having a conversation, I was interviewing him, I think in this instance, it was in Canada. And he had just recently been injured. So he does, his son, Sam, is a pioneer of kind of a, a major kind of expedition race type of thing every year that raises enormous uh, amount of money for charity. And they cover quite significant stretches um, of Europe. Um, I can't remember what it's called, the Virgin Challenge or the Active Challenge or something like that. But you'll, you'll be able to find it Googling pretty quickly. And anyway, Richard, bless him, has been successfully uh, attempting to keep up with this cohort and participate every year, covering these hundreds of kilometres in a matter of a couple of days. Um, but sadly, on this particular year, he'd actually come off his bike in training and he'd ended up in hospital. And it had prompted, as moments like that often do, where you've got a bit of time on your hands, he was you know, lying on his back for a little while in, in recovery, to think and reflect and he'd reflected that he had had a near-death experience for every year of his life. Um, if you kind of added them up, I think he was 60-something at the time and he could sort of count out and he talked through a number of these near-death experiences. And, um, you know, I feel like I need to put a user warning in, you know, listeners beware, don't try this at home. I'm not suggesting you uh, uh, play with your life in that regard. But it was this really interesting observation and reflection of one of the most serial entrepreneurs I think we've, we've got going around in the world right now of this preparedness to take risk and to continually find ways that he practised personally what he preached and what he does in his organisation, which is he's always finding ways to push his limits, to test his limits, to step outside of his comfort zone, to be in new environments. Um, arguably, he's walked to the edge a couple of times a little too closely. But I think for me, that was a conversation that really stuck regarding that importance of being bold enough to step out of what we know and what we're comfortable in, in order to not only find out what we're capable of, but to generate new ideas, to be at a kind of the collision of, of new collaborations. So that was probably a conversation that was particularly uh, memorable. The other one just personally that has always stuck with me, and I, I wrote a blog about it when he unfortunately passed, was the wonderful um, Sir Ken Robinson. And many of your listeners will know him. He has is the deliverer, I guess is the right word, of the most viral TED talk of all time, which is How Schools Kill Creativity. He's a huge idol of mine. Uh, I, I like to think he would have loved the heartbeat of this book because I think it speaks to a lot of the, the mantra that ran through so much of his work, which is that we really need to challenge the existing way that we've been encouraged to think and work and lead. Um, and we need to encourage a lot more people to colour outside the lines. 
but I interviewed him for the first time, I think in 2016, it was in front of I don't know, 10,000 people at a conference in Australia. And he was one of those moments where he truly was an idol of mine. I'd grown up reading his books. I loved his leadership. He was such a powerful figure. And there was a way he pulled me aside at the end of it and he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you are so good at this. I hope you're thinking about doing this for a living. And it's just one of those moments, and I'm sure many of you have had it, where someone who you admire so deeply so genuinely says something to like with a level of conviction that makes you believe it to another degree. Um, for me, uh, that was such an emboldening moment. And I'm forever grateful for the interactions we've had over the years, the way that he encouraged me to believe in myself at another level. And certainly for all of his thought leadership, which, you know, I hope to be able to make some small contribution to continuing with this book. Mm, that's, that's inspiring. How, how wonderful. I remember listening to Brene Brown talk about a similar one when she was on Oprah and um, one of her idols was on there before her. And, and she said a similar thing. I loved, I, I loved the way that you spoke. And so one of her great idols had given her feedback that um, you're on track, um, which is, which is what we need to hear from time to time uh, that totally. you're, on, you're on track. So we're coming unfortunately to the end of our time together. So um is there anything that we haven't covered perhaps in the book or you wanted to share with, with everyone um, before we get to close out? Oh, well, we've covered a lot of territory, Tony, and I, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you and, and all of your listeners. I think you've touched on one there just with the, the encouragement piece that we, we finished with there. I think there is so much power to the way that we speak into other people's lives and the way that we encourage or express gratitude and Again, you'll see that as a through line through this book. Um, but the thing I'm really hoping and I'm excited about our potential to do is to, to pay this book forward. So I hope listeners will consider reading it themselves. This might be something that sounds like it would resonate and add value to them. But the other thing I really hope to do is create a pay it forward type of movement where if you see potential, if you see the contribution, if you want to encourage someone that you see as being at the leading edge of the way the world needs to go, um, consider buying them this book or just consider getting, getting a piece of paper and writing them a note and saying you see them and you appreciate their leadership and you appreciate their courage and you appreciate the way that they're showing up every day. Because one of the things I, I talk a lot about, um, not just in, in this book, but in the series of interviews I've, I've conducted on my podcast and the like, is that it can be really challenging at times to be at the leading edge. There's a lot of people who are telling you you can't. There's a lot of people telling you you shouldn't. There's a lot of people telling you that, you know, that's a little bit different or wacky or out there. And as the Apple ad so famously said, here's to the crazy ones. We know that that's what it takes. If, if you're trying to change the way that it is, you have to step out of the status quo. And so I think it's really important that we acknowledge that the incredible power each of us has even just in the way that we encourage others that we see being the change. And if I can leave kind of listeners with any message, it would be if you can in some way encourage, reinforce um, that the power of that handwritten note, that text, that quick, hey, I just wanted to call and say I'm really proud of you and I thought what you did there, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Just that wave of positivity that we could start. Um, I'd, I'd love if people could consider doing that for someone that they really value in their lives. That mm, really um, reminds me of something which I'll share with, with those that are listening. When I was <clears throat> much younger, I, um, I decided that I wanted to, I always played basketball and, and, and I decided to switch and go and do athletics 
because I wanted to get to the Jewish Olympics there. Every four years awesome. they have these games in, in Israel. And, um, and I decided to focus on the decathlon, uh, which I had no experience in. And I started training uh, 12 times a week, so twice a day, uh, one day rest. And I remember talking to my uncle about it and his son, so my mum's first cousin, played um, uh, halfback for St. George in first grade, uh, which is you know, the, top, the top of the NRL, or as it was back then in the mid seventies. And, and I was telling him about what I was planning to do. And he looked at me and he goes, you'll definitely get there. And he, he, you know, he was, his son had played NRL at the top level and, and, and well, if uncle Jack says I can do it, I can do it. Right. It means and, everything, doesn't it? Right. And it was really at times when I was training and getting up at five in the morning to go down to the track to, to do laps and, and everything. Uncle Jack said I could get there. I got there. Um, and in the end, uh, it was a great life experience because it was one of those things that I, I, I use as a platform to, to think about how, how, what I want to achieve in my life. And I, a number of years later, I, I had a conversation with her. I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for instilling in me, for, for, for saying that you believed in me. And, and he goes, I can't remember telling you that. <laughs> isn't that interesting that yeah it meant so much to me yep um but he just gifted just like you said he gifted me the opportunity to go yeah but i believe in you and he he does and he did uh he's mm. passed away now but um but that that was such a that was it was so reassuring it was something to really hold on to um and then he couldn't even remember saying it um but why not just gift all of these, if it's genuine and authentic and you have integrity around it and you're saying to someone, I, I reckon you can do that. And you're not just simply at the corner espousing um, these, these you know, kind of wish you wells um, to anyone. But if, if you are, then, then keep, keep doing that, make a huge impact. So we are getting, we are getting close to the end. Um, more and more these days, um, because Booktopia is getting bigger and bigger, uh, authors want to ask me a question so we um, i'll give you the opportunity to close out with anything you want to ask of me um potentially around leadership or anything awesome i have so many questions we're going to have to definitely have lunch or coffee at some point so i can fully pick your brain but the thing i was thinking you know when you were talking through everything you've done building booktopia to where it is right now this might be an oversimplification and i'm sure it is but is there when you when you think about all that's enabled you to get to where you are, what do you reflect on as being the single most important habit or mantra or approach that you've taken consistently over the Booktopia journey that's enabled you to get to where you are? What are kind of whether it's a mindset or whether it's a practice that you've been disciplined on? What do you think is kind of the building block of your and Booktopia's success? Mm, there uh, there are many things. I'll answer in two ways so if i said to you come on let's 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 go for a trip um and you you say to me um you you come up from melbourne to sydney and 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 we're going to get on a boat and and you say um where we're going to go and i say east well you could end up in alaska or antarctica <laughs> uh, and can you be a bit more specific and i go well new zealand okay great north or south island north Auckland or Wellington? 
Auckland. Okay, where in Auckland? Well, we're gonna we're gonna end up at the marina where they had the America's Cup. Uh, that is where we're going. And all of a sudden, that idea of going east to being really fuzzy to have a real clear picture of where the destination is for me in terms of Booktopia has been super super important. So, so it feels like you can cut through and get to the other side. I mean, with with um, I've done a lot of personal development in my early years and um, they gave us a little challenge. It was a fun little exercise. It was about 30 in the, in the course and we were split into two groups and one group uh, were, the, were the dogs. That was, um, that was um, one of the groups. And then the, the other group was the cats and I was in the cats. And they had taken this small um, conference room and put tape, masking tape down the sides and they said, all right, you cats, Right. What you're going to do is you're going to go on one side and you've got to get tape to the other side. And the dogs, you're in the middle and you've got to, you know, ready, set, go. And so a bunch of us got across and there was giggling and there was, there was some, you know, not injuries, but, you know, people getting caught. And then they, they did a debrief afterwards and they said to, they said to the, um, uh, our group of cats, they said, okay, what could you do? What did you learn? How could have you done better? this time we really want you to try as hard as you can and and we went back into the room the dogs obviously were, were told very similar to try hard to stop everyone and most of us got through a couple got caught um and there was a little bit probably more injuries um and then um and then we broke again went to we went to um, back to our huddle and the facilitator said to us all right cats your kittens are on the other side of the room and what you need to do is you need to get over there and save the kittens because the dogs are going to eat them. Ready, set, go. We pulverize. We pulverize the group, right? Everybody, every age. Um, and there was, there was people who are much, much older, um, but they got through. Why? Because the clarity around what was going to happen, the risk, was tangible and they could they could cut through and they could get to the other side so so that's the kind of intensity of focus that you need to be able to succeed sometimes and things get thrown at you and you've got to be able to say bring it on and that that's that's one part of it the other part that i'll answer is that um your business is not you um your cause is not you um booktopia listing on the stock exchange wasn't Tony Nash listing on the stock exchange. It was the company where people could buy shares in. So what, I, what I've done very well is separate my, my identity from the business. And if I really put my own personal values and my, my limitations or my, my sense of self, my, um, who I think I am as a, as a layer within that business, Booktopia wouldn't be $200 million going to, to a billion. It would be more like, 20, 25 million, perhaps, whatever I feel like who I am and, and who my identity is. So I've always had separation. I always think about what does the business need? Like a, like a child. How do I need to nourish it? How do I need to, you know, who does it need right now? Um, what sort of, what sort of capital does it need? Do we need to buy this kind of machine or whatever, whatever it might have been? It was, it was really, really important. So that I feel can, has been in, for my personal, experience my own beliefs around myself um i, I have adhd 54 years of my life until 
at the age of 14 and years I've I've now been on medication schooling and well, my life and um, and whatever I've done has been completely undiagnosed so it's um, there's been that that layer as, as well but I think um, I think there's there's a couple of things there that I think are, are very um, important in terms of how Booktopia has succeeded under under my leadership and of course when I think of leadership I've got a great team of people around me it's not like everything is being rely on me I've, I've built an amazing team and of leaders and that's that's super letting go inside I think and for those that are listening about how we've got from A to B when we started in 2004 people said to me what do you want to start a bookstore for? There's Amazon, there's Borders, there's Dimmix, there's Angus and Robertson. You're too late. Isn't that now people say to me, well, it's lucky you got in early. <laughs> ah, the benefit of hindsight, hey? Isn't it funny how people change their their reflection? Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. No worries. Thanks for the question. And uh, I look forward to the next time we get together. But um, for all of us today, Holly Ransom, debut author, author she can put now amongst many other titles on her business card she must have one of the the widest business cards in the world the leading edge dream big spark change and become the leader the world needs you to be thank you Holly, for coming on the show thank you so much for having me tony it's been a pleasure terrific thank you for listening to the booktopia podcast channel don't forget you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.